Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. There it is. There it is. The energy begins to flow because we're recording. And I got to say, I am so excited about today's guest. Uh, Dare I say, he is a special guest today. Uh, Someone I've known for a long time. And he's the kind of person, uh, a marketing leader, a thought leader, a consultant to the stars, a friend, and the kind of guy that when you get him in a room, you can, you can feel that he has decades of experience, right? It's not, and he's not going to mince words. He's going to tell you exactly what you need to hear uh, to, to grow your company. Uh, B2B marketing consultant, agency owner at Mac Macintosh Inc., which may tell you who this is, president at Acquire B2B, Mac Macintosh. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me, Casey. Yeah, man, it's so good to have you on here. It, um, they're just, we, we go so far back in terms of consulting and marketing automation yeah. and all these things. So I'm going to go ahead and pass you something. This is heavy. I've been working out, but here you go. Ugh. Okay, here you go. Thor's <laughs> hammer. You got it? Grab yeah. that thing. I all got right. it. <laughs> oh, single-handedly grabs Thor's hammer, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, so, Mac, take Thor's hammer, smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception, set the record straight once and for all. One that bothers me all the time is that lists and inquiries are not leads. If you search on the word leads on Google, you get companies that sell lists and databases, but those aren't leads. Those are just suspects. They have to, uh, they have to do something to become a lead. And we can talk about that today. Lists aren't leads. Uh, and, and just a well, simple inquiry isn't a lead either. Inquiry is not a lead either. Let's talk with the first one. Lists aren't leads. Why do we think that? Where, where does that come from? Why do we treat them like that? Well, mainly because the uh, list companies have been marketing themselves as though they are lists of leads rather than databases or lists of, of contacts at companies that are suspects that could become a lead once you engage with them, but um, they're not leads yet. So they've kind of created that misnomer. And then um, on top of it, um, some CRM companies uh, that were heavily into inbound in the beginning would talk about any kind of an inquiry was a lead. And again, an inquiry is a response and it's a step towards a lead, but it's not a lead yet until you've basically qualified them. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of that dirty marketing out there. I'm, I'm nicknaming it that dirty marketing where it, they're, they're selling something. And those list yeah, companies who we already, selling. yeah, we already knew they were a little sketchy anyways. And we, always, we, we know they're sketchy as we even, even having a sales call with a list company, you're like, feel a little dirty afterward. Like maybe, a, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. But yeah, so you have that conversation and they're telling you, hey, man, we're going to sell you 10,000 of these leads. Or a hundred thousand leads. And they're thinking, the best oh, ever. shoot. Yeah. And they're the best ever. They're they're high quality, they're ready to buy, but they're not leads. And so they're a little bit of that dirty marketing, the inbound. Oh, the inquiry. Somebody is inquiring more. Now, now let me challenge that one. They they are inquiring more, they're not a lead either. Well, if they inquire, it's one of the first steps 
of qualifying a lead. Okay. Um, so it's an and that and something else adds up to a qualified lead. The, the inquiry and something else. Yeah. Another action, for example, um, they have a budget or a current project or things like that. Got it. Got it. Um, what did, what did you call them? You said lists aren't leads. They're, they're, they're suspects or suspects. Or suspects. You know, I like that word like a duck and quack like a duck, (laughs) but you need to make sure they're a duck (laughs) by, by, by communicating with them. You know, I think sometimes marketing takes bad rap because we, we use a lot of vocab and we, we have cool names for everything, but I think in this case, it's actually important to, to call, call the ducks, what the ducks are, call them what they are and also differentiate and distinct between one or the other. So what's your take? What, what is a suspect then? Paint that picture. You know, does it start with sus? Are there something higher in the funnel above them? A suspect to me is um, somebody who I've not necessarily engaged with, but they're the right kind of person, the right kind of job function or title at the right kind of company for that, that tends to be similar to the ones who buy from my company or from your company and its products and services. So that, that similarity says, gee, I'd like to put these folks on a database and start talking to them. That, that, that's a suspect. A prospect is what you're calling an inquiry, which means they actually took an action. They went to the website, they clicked on a link, they downloaded something, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're ready to buy, um, which may be one of the criteria that we get to uh, in qualifying, but but it, it's definitely better than a, uh, a suspect. Suspect, prospect, a lead is something that is sales ready, that, that they are have been determined to be needing sales attention um, or uh, qualified for sales attention. So if they say, I want to speak to a salesperson, certainly you put that right through. But um, if not, you want to qualify them a bit. And, uh, you know, we could talk about what is a lead and, and go through some, you know, uh, a kind of points if you'd like. Yeah, no, I like this. It, let me just sort of uh, sort of crunching through all this. So what, what's really cool is the idea there's a suspect, the prospect, and I, you know, really whatever we call it, we're differentiating between someone who is the right person, title company, and then someone who takes an action, and eventually someone who's sales ready. But question though, I, I think a lot of people, uh, your definition of a suspect, the right person, title company, that means there's people that aren't that, that come into your database. What do you call those people? Those just, you delete them because they're not a fit? If, if they're truly not a fit, it probably makes sense to delete them and get rid yeah. of them. If they are an influencer or a recommender that would never hire you, but they have the ear of other companies and, and, and people who can make that hiring decision, then you might keep them on the list as for newsletters and things like that, but not necessarily actively solicit them uh, as, a, as a lead. Gotcha. Suspect, prospect, lead. And you're saying that a lead is sales ready. So that each right. one of these things is a, is the a, other, the, act, yeah. the other uh, definition that's been out there from serious decisions is, is uh, uh, what I'm calling a sales ready lead. They call a marketing qualified lead or a sales accepted lead. The difference is sales accepted lead means they have followed up and they think it's still a good lead and they want to keep doing it. Whereas uh, marketing qualified leads sometimes can get sent back to marketing because something happened, something changed. 
the guy had a budget last week, but this week they lost their budget. And what, what is the importance like, of having these stages and having these words and these stages and like funnel? Well, I think it's really important in um, getting buy-in from sales, who is our customer as marketers. The end buyer is their customer, but our our sales reps, dealers, distributors, whatever, are our our customers. And getting buy-in from them, they don't want you wasting your time. They want you to give them opportunities that are real opportunities, representing you know a, a chance. Now, it may not be ready to buy yet but it may be appropriate to be in touch with them now because they're getting ready to buy and they're creating the short list or they're gathering information sometimes for their boss. Um, you can get a secretary who responds and say, well, that's a lousy lady. She has no authority or he has no authority, but they do. They, they're, they're, doing, they're not doing it just for fun. They're doing it because their boss told them to and they're going to be passing that information along. Gotcha. So, so, you know, a lead definitely starts with somebody who expressed an interest, but they, they have to also have a budget or an active project in mind um, for either, I guess there are two different buying cycles. One is, when are you going to make a decision? And the other one is, when are you going to buy? So I may be making a decision in November, but I'm not going to buy until January when the new budget kicks in. Um, so you don't wait until January to follow up. Um, they, um, I, I guess also they, they would need the authority uh, to make a buying decision or be part of the decision team or doing research for someone on the decision team, as we just mentioned. And these are all and things. Someone who expressed an interest, someone and someone who has a budget or current project and someone who has the authority or is on the decision team and they have a true need or application for your product or service and it's a good fit. Um, uh, if it's not a good fit, they're going to rule you out anyway. So why waste the time? Um, and then the last and is the size I've added uh, as size of opportunity. So a lot of people call this BANT, budget, authority, need, timing. Um, I add an S to that, which is size of the opportunity, because, you know, if somebody wants to buy one electronic circuit board for a project that isn't worth the salesperson's time following up on. Yeah. And uh, that may actually go to a different channel, like a retail channel. So, so the B in budget might just be, they have one, but the question is good. You have one, but what, how big is it? How big of an opportunity yeah, yeah. could this be? I mean, are you just evaluating and how many do you think you might need a year or is the sale big enough, um, you know, that, that it's worth pursuing? Um, because you're going to be spending some money and time between marketing and sales to uh, nurture and cultivate this prospect. And you want to make sure that you're you're not wasting your time. I, I one time one of our clients uh, had a pretty sophisticated qualification system in place for leads. And this this guy kept popping up. Well, he was a consultant, so he clicked on everything and he said yes to everything, but it was just him and his dog. He was never going to buy, but he was an influencer in the industry. So we made sure he never became a lead, but we left him on the database so he would know all about the products and services that this company provided. That's interesting. Uh, that kind of a category, is that's a great takeaway for me. The idea of having an influencer category that still gets your emails but doesn't get the follow-up because I think sometimes we think so black and white Boolean that it's like, it's a lead. It fits. It doesn't. If, and if it doesn't, we, we unsubscribe them with prejudice, you know, and it's right, like, oh, right. get out of here. Uh, but 
in, or a competitor. Oh, no, you're off. You, you receive nothing. You get nothing. You don't go to sales. But the idea of allowing someone to continue to receive your thought leadership without being harassed every week by sales, that actually sounds great. I think it's very um, uh, important. I think probably half my business over the 20 some years I've been in business has come from referrals from people like that. Either they were a customer in the past or they worked for the company that was a customer in the past, but they were in a junior position and they eventually come up with where they're having a conversation with a peer at another company and they say, hey, call Mac. He, that's what he does. Um, I have one other, two other comments that are just worth making, I think. One is that... Uh, when we were talking about, you know, what is a qualified lead, um, an inquiry or response is only the first step that they've expressed an interest or taken an action that shows that they may be interested. Um, but also, if they say, I need to speak to sales, you need to be able to shortcut that straight out there, but not call it a not necessarily call it a qualified lead, call it an action lead or something. In other words, sales, you need to follow this up. It's not quite qualified, but they asked you to call. I mean, and, and by the way, salespeople love those. Oh, yeah. Hey, hi, you asked me to call. What can I do for you? Um, so they're the best leads to them. Yeah, they're so tired of getting hung up on. It's like, oh, this one actually wants to pick up the phone and talk. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. And, and people are busy. And, and the one yeah. that, you know, if I fault salespeople, it's that they'll make one or two phone calls to try to reach somebody and then they give up. Right. Um, you know, the odds of catching me at my desk in one or two phone calls are slim to none. And do people return messages that are left? Generally not. Um, you know, so, and a lot of uh, telemarketers have learned to not even leave a message um, because they don't want to look like they're stalking you. Um, right calling over and over again. But the reason they call over and over again is because it's worth following up. I think uh, uh, I've seen different studies that say between three and five times uh, contacting somebody, you you get through to the majority of them. Yeah, marketing can help with that too. Just having some valuable reach out. I mean, because it can get yeah. kind of tiresome doing the four or five, four or five seven times. Hi, where you, well, how are you doing? What you up to? You know, so if marketing can just put out some good information that counts too as a reach out. You know? Also, and it gives an excuse for the call. Hi, um, I'm, I'm following up on, on some information I sent Fred. Um, right. You know, the, the screener is more likely to let you through. That's huge. That's a huge point. Um, working together to try to get them on the phone if that's the next step. Right. And in a perfect situation, let's say you're qualifying leads and part of that process is a phone call, ideally, you'd want to be like transfer that call real time to the salespeople. But salespeople generally are not sitting at their desks in most cases, unless they're inside sales. And they may already be on the phone or talking or doing something else or attending a meeting. So the chances of connecting with them directly is sometimes slim. But it's, right. if you could do that, boy, would that be powerful. Yeah, let me get you right on the phone right now with them. Ooh, right, be... you're on the phone already, so I'll connect you, and uh, you guys can take it from there. Huge missed opportunity. It's so hard to get them on the phone that if you got someone live, like don't squander that. Don't take a message. That sales rep's going to be tracking them down for another month if you take a message. Get it, like end your call and pick up this call. Like let's go. Yes. Uh, you know, while the iron's Absolutely. hot kind of thing. Hey, you mentioned the referrals thing. We never really 
dove into that on the show before really too much at all, but it, it seems to me, um, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, last night, my daughter was asking me, she wants to do a, a dog sitting business. And she was asking me, she was like, Hey, will you be my coach? You know, my business coach. I'm like, Oh my gosh, best thing you can ever ask. I'm like, I mean, what an honor for the I'm dad. Like, I'm like, you, yeah, I'm like, that's built in. You have this automatically. You know, I will absolutely be your coach. So she's like, what kind of things should I think about? And, and we talked about different things and then up came, how do you get customers? And it's like, you can buy all the dog beds in the world, but if you don't have anyone that needs your services, then it doesn't really matter. So we got to, we got to get new business in. And, and I, I started talking about marketing to her and I mentioned that, you know, referrals from clients is it's free. doesn't require, cause she mentioned like Facebook ads and so I was so proud, but she mentioned all these things that cost money. And I thought, you know what, what are the things that don't cost money, but are even more powerful and the referrals came up, but I'd love to get your take. You know, what, how do you do that? Well, you've been doing it for so long. You have all these people mentioning you. You can do a a whole, you know, session on that at a later date, but just to give you a quick overview, referrals often are the best leads because you have an excuse for the call. Somebody that they respect has, has told you to call them. Now, if somebody says, Hey, you should call this company. They really need you, but don't use my name. They don't like me. That's not really a referral. That's right. just a suspect again. Uh, a referral hot is tip. <laughs> and say, hey, I was talking to Casey yesterday and he suggested I give you a call um, because you may have a need for something that we I might be able to help you with. You know, have you got a couple of minutes to talk? Um, you know, that's a that's a referral. And I I believe you need to ask for them. I've seen it uh, in signatures of emails where it says, P.S., referrals always appreciated. Um, I've seen people do actual campaigns uh, with a letter and, bus- and, a, and a small stack of business cards being sent to each customer saying, hey, we're looking for one more customer. Hang on to these cards. And if you run into somebody, please pass it along for us. And um, why, why buy letter? Because then they have the physical cards in their desk or in their briefcase. And, uh, you know, it, it's a reminder uh, to, to refer. Now, some people offer rewards. I usually offer thanks. And what I mean by that is I don't tell them I'm going to give them a commission or a, or a finder's fee because then is that really a referral or are they doing it because they want the money? Um, what I do is if I do get business from it, I send a really generous gift basket or an American Express uh, 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 gift card that they can use to take their wife out to dinner or their significant other. Um, so, you know, something like that. And it's a thank you. They don't know it was coming, but I do make sure to do that because it, it does it does cement the relationship. And they're often they're often delighted. Um, one said he used it on his honeymoon, um, one of those dinner, uh, you know, American Express things. So it was kind of cool. You see, I, I like that because you're right. It does get kind of icky. I, you know, you're asking out of the kindness. And if you really enjoy these services, who do you recommend? But then to go and say, and if you do, that's a different kind of program, I think, to your point. That's a affiliate almost. It's a- one, one trick is actually when you're writing the letter or, or the email or whatever you're doing is to say, you know, we're, we're in, in order to continue to provide the wonderful service we give you, uh, we need to grow a little bit, but we're only looking for one new customer. 
Well, you're asking every customer for one new customer, so they add up. But but if it sounds like you're going to get swamped with business, they sometimes are afraid to refer you because they're worried that they'll become yeah customer. That's so smart. Yeah, right? I don't want to be back yeah. in line. It's like yeah. the ski slopes where the, the lift lines are 10,000 people long. I don't, I don't want to tell people that the lines are short at this mountain because everyone will come here. Well, and it's also <laughs> sad that... Um, um, you know, on that on that point, I like that analogy though. Um, uh, and ski season up where you are too. So it is. Yeah. Um, um, I guess the uh, the analogy is that um, um, uh, a lot of companies. Well, it's not an analogy; it's a reality. A lot of companies, once they get a customer, they kind of forget about them and ignore them. And um, they're not only the best source of repeat business or add-ons and things like that, but they're also a great referral source. And that's really a huge mistake to ignore them. Do you so make you a-, a, a, a whole marketing program aimed at customers to upsell them, cross-sell them, or generate referrals? Do you, do you have one person assigned to that? Is it who's respond, who owns that? Um, it's, it's interesting, um, depending on the size of the company and the number of salespeople kind of dictates how much activity you need to generate. Right. In, my, in my business, my consulting business, um, I basically block one day a week or eight hours of business time a week to marketing. Um, and, uh, and then I block at least an hour a day when I'm in the office um, to following up on anyone who's responded. And I try to do that as quick as possible because I think the, the leads get stale as they sit around. Um, I had somebody call me one time and say, they, um, you know, would I buy? And I said, no, but call me back in November because I'll make a decision for January. And he never called me back. He called me in January. And I said, I already bought. Um, <laughs> I told you to call back in November, man. Yeah, I told you to call yeah. me. Um, it's not my job to remember you. It's your job to follow up. Now, sometimes I'll call you a week later and it's like, oh, come on, guy. I told you, wait till November. Um, uh, you know, nothing's going to happen until then. If you want to send me an email about some special deal, by all means, but don't be calling me every week because uh, until I'm ready, it's a waste of your time and mine. Yeah. I try yeah. to say that nicely. Well, but, you know, whether they li- don't like the good news or not, it saves them the time. You know, I, you mentioned this earlier too. the idea of sales and marketing. We're just really trying to make sure we're not wasting time. The consultant with the dog has, you know, or, <laughs> or the hot client or the not client. And, you know, we had the analogy as well, like the, the college student doing research for a, a school project is also going to fill out all of your forms, but you don't Absolutely. have to indicate them as like the best lead in the planet because they're not ever going to buy your thing. Well, one of my clients who does uh, CAD CAM design software loves students oh. and they even give them free copies of the software so that when they graduate, guess what? They like know how that. to use their software and are going to recommend it to whatever company they're going to work for. Um, and uh, But they don't treat them as leads. They don't pass those on to salespeople. They just have a whole separate marketing campaign for students and professors. That's brilliant, actually, to be able to some people are just struggling enough just to handle the leads and figure that part out, but to, to know that these other people can go in this other bucket and and really grow that that's really mature. Yeah. You wind up with, you know, a number of buckets or campaigns that are separate. You've got a prospect one, you've got a, 
a customer one, you've got a, a recommender or influencer one, you might have a student, but also you may have a different campaign for semi-qualified leads. You know, they've done some things and they look pretty darn good, but they're not quite ready for sales. Can I do something special with those folks um, to help move them along? Um, I always talk about marketing is like dating. You know, if you ask somebody to marry you on the first date, you might not want to marry that person if they said yes. Um, so you need to date them a while and uh, get to know them and feel comfortable before they're willing to go to Vegas for the weekend with you. Or right. whatever. So, um, so if you use that dating analogy, um, the salespeople are like, you know, they're, they're ready to say you're ready to get married and uh, marketing can be handling a lot of the dating process for, for the sales folks. Right. Right. Setting up those profiles, <laughs> getting the blind dates set up all having the conversation. That's where marketing automation comes in. Um, we got really excited about it when it first came along because once you set up a campaign and you know it's working, yeah, you can move on and set another one up. And then you go back and tweak whenever you need to. If something stops, if, if the, uh, the, the productivity starts going downhill, that's when you would say, okay, it's time to change that one up or try something different. Um, and marketing automation allows you to do the one-to-many that feels like one-to-one if it's done properly. One-to-many. Uh, gosh, you, you, and we were talking about this earlier, you need to put on your list, maybe 22 beyond, think about writing a book because you've got all these decades you have to squeeze down into, you're going to need a story for every chapter. But I imagine, I mean, just even from hearing you now, you have so many stories to share. Um, but on, you know, on that topic of books, um, we will mentally put your book on our list. As soon as it comes out, we're all going to get it. Um, but are there any books that you recommend other people, you know, check out or ones that you personally have found really helpful? Well, I focus primarily on business to business, but I probably have bought every business book that's been on the New York Times or the Amazon bestseller lists for years. Right. I have a library of hundreds of books and, um, and I actually read most of them. Um, sometimes, I, sometimes you buy it and you get real busy and never get around to reading it. But most of them I've read. And um, so, you know, there's hundreds I could recommend, but um, really the ones that I'm reading at the moment and, and, and you know, are more current for me are uh, one called Influence by Robert Cal Calmitty, I believe he pronounces it, Calmitty, C-A-L-M-D-I-M-I, called Dimmy, called Dimmy, C-A-L-D-I-M-I, looking at my notes here. Um, there's another one called Building a Brand Story. I believe storytelling is really effective in marketing. Um, it differentiates you, it creates authenticity, all that stuff. And Donald Miller wrote a book called uh, Building the Brand Story that's really good. And um, there's a classic, uh, Seth Gooden, who many of you have heard of, uh, uh, Purple Cow and all sorts of other things. He's got a book called uh, This is Marketing. And um, it's, it's, it's well worth reading. And but they can again look at the New York Times bestsellers, look at the uh, Amazon best-selling books on marketing or sales and marketing or business to business, and it'll give you an idea of what you should be reading. Yeah, hundred um, percent. In some of those, it doesn't even matter when they were written because they are just timeless. Like Seth has been around forever, but he's just like the godfather of marketing, boiling it down. You know, just distilling what you need to hear. 
And often they're on, you know, second or third or fourth editions of the book. So oh, yeah. it's been refreshed as they go. Absolutely. Don't forget, we got to we gotta add uh, Marketing Automation Unleashed to that list. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Unleashed. I believe that's your book. Ha, yeah. Have I, have I, I send you a copy. If you, do you, you want me to send you one? I'll send I you one. I would love one. I'd yeah. Love I mean, you could probably write me you know, one back in the same way, but uh, yeah, I love your take on it for sure. I'll be happy to take a look at it, but yeah, okay. definitely. Uh, if you wrote it, it's got lots of wisdom in it. Mostly just funny, you know, top gun references and uh, yeah, <laughs> but I'll, send, I'll send you a copy. Yeah, for sure. Marketing is having fun. I think you probably re relate to a lot of the stories in there for sure. Yeah. Your crazier clients. I'm sure that can uh, tie into those stories. I've um, certainly had some of those. What about events? Have you started going, back to events covid's kind of ending doesn't help that i have a cold right now but uh <laughs> well, what are you up to you know ces the consumer it used to be called the consumer electronic shows ces just ended in vegas and oh yeah whenever they would show a live shot of the show it was like you could it was like a bowling alley with nobody on the aisle you know um, down there and um, even though it was a live event all the big guys like Microsoft and Apple pulled out. Um, it wasn't worth the risk for them to get their people sick. Um, so a lot of the little manufacturers or, or, or technology companies did go and did display, but um, traffic was way, way down. And I think if it had not been for Omicron or Omicron or however you want to say it, yeah. um, it would have been it would have been much busier. A lot of people canceled their travel plans and didn't go. Um, I was I, I don't go to CES, but I would have been one of those who canceled. Um, I. Um, I, I think that eventually uh, COVID's going to, you know, settle down and 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 then live events are going to come back. But right now, most of my clients are avoiding them because they've tried um, and they've tried they've done some of the online events, but they find that the online trade shows and whatever aren't necessarily getting them the, the results that they're looking for. Um, they, they have more success doing their own webinars, for example, uh, in many cases um, as a series, rather than uh, just being one exhibitor at a virtual trade show. Now, maybe some people can prove me wrong, and I'd love them to, um, that they've had really huge success at virtual trade shows. But the, the companies that I've worked with that have tried them have had mi mixed but low success rate for all the work and effort involved. Gotcha. So I think events, live events are going to come back. Yep. Um, they just haven't yet. And uh, um, you also, well, if, for example, if you went to my website, you'll notice a lot of my uh, photos have people are wearing masks. I mean, that's reality of what it's like today. Right. Uh, and um, if, if they think that your event can be done in a safe manner, um, they may be more willing to come out as well. Well, we'll just have to see, right? Just see how things evolve and... And hopefully this uh, latest one. That industry, they've had a hard time. Oh, yeah. It's tough, too, especially if you have to put down a reservation for a hotel. I mean, my oh, goodness. Yeah. No, hotel doesn't want to give you your money back. No, sir. Yeah. yeah. No, they really don't. Um, well, this is, this is really this is really cool. You know, speaking of, you know, future developments, is there anything coming around the corner, maybe changes in marketing or just the macro macroeconomics or just do you see things what are you excited about in the future what, what things are coming around the bend 
Well, I'm excited that um, uh, during COVID, a lot of people kind of stopped marketing, which I think was a mistake. And they're starting again. So that's kind of exciting. Um, but the companies who marketed right through it often come out way ahead of the game um, because they didn't have a lot of competition, you know, for those eyeballs or those or those uh, 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 messages getting through to the right prospects. Um, and, and you'll notice that some of the bigger companies you know, market right through and you say, well, they can afford it. Yeah. But I don't think marketing should be a, uh, an, an, it should be an item on the, on the CFO spreadsheet that is not negotiable. Meaning you don't shut it off. You don't shut off the electricity when it's, when it's uh, a recession. You don't shut off the marketing. That's your future business. Um, You know, it's like shooting yourself, your future self in the foot, because you're not going to improve the situation by not getting more business in the door. Exactly. And I do know of situations where people have stopped marketing and then six months later, they're wondering what happened. It's well, what happened is you stopped marketing and now your pipeline is dry. Um, You don't have anyone who's moving forward with their buying decision. So, yeah, the other thing I'm excited about is artificial intelligence for marketing. Um, I think AI is... uh, it's a wild, wild west of marketing. It, it, there's so many different applications for it. For example, um, you can get help with copywriting from artificial intelligence now. You can, uh, you can determine based on certain actions. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell a story. Um, a number of years back, HubSpot hired a bunch of scientists at MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, to analyze all their sales data. And they discovered that certain series of activities led to more sales than others. Interesting. And that's the kind of thing that artificial intelligence can help with. Hey, these guys took four of the steps that generally say they're going to be a really good lead. You know, let's flash, let's flag that one and do something special with it. And uh, so that's my excitement. I, uh, I also think that um, you take AI and you add it to things like marketing automation, um, then even the little guys can get stuff done. Um, the problem with being a one-man band or a, you know, a single marketing person at a company is you often have lots of responsibilities. And the biggest problem is getting marketing done, and that'll help get it done. You know, and also the, the, that idea of collecting so much data you know, spend so much time collecting all this data, but if you're not going to use it, what's the point in collecting it? And and we don't have the time to collect it, but you're right. If AI can hop in there and look at it for us and help us identify a trend. I mean, that's, that's always been the the dream is just to have something looking at it. Now that companies like Google and Apple are blocking cookies, uh, you know, so we're going to have to have a different way of, of uh, interacting with people and knowing that they're already on our database or already somebody's taken these actions. It has to be first party information now and AI can help with that. Um, but you're right, um, um, data just for data's sake, you know, the question I'm always asking when somebody, for example, wants to do a survey and they have 50 questions, it's like, what are we gonna do with the answer to this question? And if they can't quickly give me an answer to that, it's like, let's leave it off. Um, yeah. That could be another study. But uh, it's if we can't act on it, why bother asking it, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Why Why waste the form space, the friction and the process? Why waste the survey brain power time, the attention that we rare attention from a customer or a prospect for some question we don't really care about the answer to? You know, uh, I haven't looked in a year yeah. or so, but the economist 
used to have like a 200 question qualification form, even though they still want to charge you for a subscription. They, they, but you need to fill out this, this incredible questionnaire. And I'm sure that really depressed response for them. Hopefully oh, yeah. somebody in their direct marketing that knew that and has subsequently fixed it off to go take a look later. But uh, yeah, talk about friction. It was like, I'm not filling this out. It's, you know, it's not worth it. And it's a misnomer that, that, that leaves you with the higher quality leads because there's plenty of high quality leads that just don't want to fill out your stupid 200 page page form. And also, you know, we're smart people. We start figuring out that the magazine isn't using that to serve us better. They're using it to serve (laughs) the advertisers. And uh, so um, we may not, we may not care about that. Um, We, we, you know, we are advertisers ourselves, but, uh, but, you know, we we're as consumers, we got to pick and choose our battles. Um, but also, you know, to qualify me like that and then still charge me for a subscription, mm. it's like, wait a minute, just paying the subscription, I should be able to get it without filling out all that stuff. Or fill out the stuff and get it for free. Yeah, yeah, one or the other. Give me a benefit. Mm. Uh, Smart. See, we might have just fixed newspapers and, and magazines. So if there's someone <laughs> that runs a magazine that, that got word of this podcast interview, maybe that's the solution to their declining industry. It could be one or the other. And then, you know what? I might fill out your 200 page thing, not page 200 question thing. If that meant I get your particular publication for free for the rest of my life. Okay. All right. I'm in maybe every, every other year, they ask some additional questions to kind of get a sense for who I am again. Make sure you're still alive. And okay. I'll fill that out. (laughs) Give me the, or no, you can't have my information, but here's my $20 a month. You know, that's fair. It's a good, good, good barter. Hey, yeah. super quick follow-up. You mentioned, you know, blocking one day a week to do marketing. Uh, what day do you tend to do that on? Well, I, when I, when I was traveling a lot before COVID, I would tend to do it on Fridays because then I would be home for the weekend. Um, I, I wasn't on the road. Um, so I, as a consultant, a lot of my business required travel. And uh, so I'd travel you know, leaving sometimes Sunday night and get home on Thursday night and uh, sure. you won't have that that Friday to be at home. However, the reality is a customer says, hey, I want to have a meeting on Friday, you know, a, a web meeting at two o'clock. Um, I will, I, I'll agree to do that with my client. Um, but then I know that I have to roll that two hours over into the following week um, to catch up. Right. Um, longest I'll let it go is like a couple of weeks because otherwise I never catch up. Um, and that time is lost forever. Um, so I try to put like eight hours and sometimes that's two hours a day, five days a week. Sometimes that's eight hours in one day. And if it is, it typically was Fridays. Um, however, let's say I was trying to call people Fridays may not be the best day to do that. So the calls I might do an hour every morning, the first thing when I get to work, um, you know, make the calls or, or call it an intelligent time. You know, when am I most likely to have them pick up the phone because they're actually at their desk and, and available? Um, you know, that may come into when I call. Um, I found with certain executives, 
it's early in the morning because if they're early starters or it's after everybody else goes home, they answer their own phone um, yep. and screen. So, you know, maybe it's a, a couple of calls before you wrap it for a day. And uh, with telemarketing, even though you get a lot of rejection because you're talking to a lot of people quickly, um, I, I think, you know, call your mom and have a nice call at the end so that you end on a good note or something. <laughs> I like that. Call a friend um, so that you're not dwelling on the negativity when you start your next day. End with a friend. There you go. Your mom. Mine's alliteration. And, you know, you, yeah. And, you know, you, that's not a bad idea too. just stay in touch with them as well. So Absolutely. what a cool policy. Love this, man. You know, we've gone back. We know each other for such a long time, but I'd love this next question. Who are you? Uh, take me back in time, you know, little Mac days. What's your life? Past? Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. All these things. Tell me, who are you? Well, I'm, um, I grew up in Wisconsin, uh, okay. a couple blocks from Packers stadium. I was actually there from when I was 11 until I graduated high school. Um, so I consider that home. I grew up before 11 years old. I was in Canada, uh, Montreal and Trois-Rivières, Quebec. Um, used to speak French. I've forgotten it all, unfortunately. Are you a Canadian, then, um, sir? There was a couple of stints where I was in Africa. Um, so um, I had like three years total in South Africa, the Republic of South Africa. And um, <laughs> actually took some of my college classes there. Um, uh, right after high school. Holy but, crap. Um, pardon? Is that holy crap? Yeah. Are you yeah. Canadian? Were you born I, in I, Canada? I'm, um, I'm American, but I have also a Canadian passport. So. Look at you. You're like a spy. You were in Africa for a little bit. Yeah. Like my, Canadian, my mom is American. So I qualified. And also because I grew up in Canada, I, you know, as a young kid, I, I qualified for citizenship. And uh, uh, sometimes Canadian citizenships is is uh, is nice to have, easier to get over the border. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure. As long as they don't also want your tax money, <laughs> wouldn't want two countries trying to double dip on you. That would be that would be rough. That's um, true. That's true. And actually, when you are going through customs at the airport, let's say in Toronto, they'll often say to me, "Gee, you come here a lot. You know, what are you doing?" And I said, "I'm working for Microsoft." out of Seattle, you know, let's say, because they have an office in Canada. But if I say I'm working for Microsoft Canada, they want, they want their tax on that. So oh, right. make it difficult for me. But if I say I'm working for Microsoft Seattle, which I actually am, um, um, then I'm just there doing business. I'm not, I'm not making revenue in Canada. I'm just right. what I'm doing, but that makes a difference. And uh, sometimes all they want is that you know, hundred bucks or whatever it is. So, uh, you know, they put you in a bad boy line. And then when you get up there, they're not going to deport you or send you home, but they, they want their money. Wow. <laughs> and the Americans probably do that too. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. I once was doing some school up in Toronto and I mentioned the school. They're like, Oh yeah, yeah come on in. We get a lot of you guys once a quarter. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen those. They have Border Patrol shows on Netflix. I, I haven't seen those. I should check it out. They're kind of fun, actually, because then you get to see who, you know, who the real bad guys are. And then you're like, oh, OK, <laughs> they're not looking for me and, uh, and my business thing. I mentioned Microsoft. They're probably cool. They're, there's people that are, you know, packing raw chicken in their suitcases. Those are the weirdos they're looking for, you know, and um, and the, the, the people that 
that uh, they're they're coming for a vacation, but they've got like a hundred bucks to their name. They're like, huh, that sounds a little weird. <laughs> How you gonna get by? Yeah, uh, crazy. Um, so so you grew up in Canada. Did did you always have that sort of entrepreneurial spirit and then the consultant or what we what was it like growing up you i guess i was always driven and um when i came back from africa um i was you know 20 some years old and uh looking for a job and and it was during a, a recession and there were no jobs i applied hundreds of places and nobody was take hiring and um by coincidence i got desperate and walked into a uh, a restaurant near my home uh, to apply for any kind of job there. And uh, as I'm walking in, walking out was the manager of the restaurant with a guy who had just come to visit us in Africa about a month ago. Oh, no way. Uh, you know, and uh, he used to work for the, he worked for the company my dad used to work for and was there on business and came to spend the weekend with us. So he told the manager, hire this guy. And I bluffed my way into a job as a bartender. And then I got on the management track and became a trainee and whatever. And um, eventually I was running a restaurant and this will come back to marketing. And, um, um, you know, I started doing a lot of the advertising and marketing for the restaurant, which was really successful working with an agency. And um, gee, that was a lot more fun than worrying about the waitress showing up or the bartender, you know, stealing, stealing, you know, change or whatever. Um, So uh, I, I started doing more of that. And, um, actually took a job with the agency and uh, left the restaurant business. And, uh, um, you know, the, the problem with the restaurant business, when you're in it, you love it. But when you're out of it, you realize you worked every night, every weekend, sure. every holiday. I always thought, gee, when I retire, maybe I'll open a restaurant. But no, I've come to the conclusion that would be a lot of work uh, when I'm ready to retire. It's like but, owning uh, a boat, right? You know, it sounds yeah. like a good idea until you get it and you realize you're stuck with it. And I realized I didn't know a lot about marketing. So after working for the agency for a short time, I figured the best way to learn is to, you know, sell advertising. And uh, so I originally got a job selling radio and then I sold some television and then I sold some newspaper. And um, then eventually I opened my own agency. And um, but I was young and dumb and I made some mistakes. So I closed it down and took a job with a B2B company that was doing inquiry handling or lead management. And I kind of found my niche. Um, You know, it is marketing, but it's focused on B2B and it's focused on leads. And uh, I was there for a number of years and then eventually went off on my own. And uh, I've been doing that now for 20 years. And uh, it's exciting because every day it changes, you know, with the internet and with technology. I mean, it's it's a new thing every day. You never get bored. Yeah, no. (laughs) just keeping up is a challenge, but I'm pretty good at it. So people look at me and say, you got a little gray hair, Mac. You must not know much about the internet. Well, take me on. I'll, let's see. <laughs> yeah. You try, try me, right. Try me, you know, ask me anything. I, maybe yeah. some, some of your counterparts of the similar age, maybe, but not you. You're like, let's go. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm uh, years ago. I, I heard a motivational speaker say that if you read a half an hour, an hour, half an hour a day on your business every day, uh, every weekday, you'd be a, you know, an expert in five years. 
Well, I decided I didn't want to wait that long. So I started reading an hour every day, business books, magazines, anything to do with B2B marketing and lead generation and wow. uh, you know all of the above. And I still do that. Um, so in my downtime, I'm constantly reading about the latest uh, software or marketing automation or artificial intelligence for that can be applied to BB and, and uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Now some of the fundamentals still still hold true, but um but you're applying them to a different media. Yeah, I think I've heard Tim Ferriss talk about that too. The idea of if you if you read the top three books in a topic, I mean you're gonna know more than a lot of most people in that area just from even three. Oh, but to yeah. your point, an hour a day, you're really going to accumulate some knowledge well it became a habit and then it yeah. became sort of an addictive habit i'm just so used to doing it um i used to joke when i did seminars that i would read mag business magazines in the bathtub and then when the water started getting cold i knew it was time to wash my hair and get out <laughs> but, uh, i'm sure the mental picture of this chubby guy in a bathtub was funny <laughs> but it was like multitasking um I, when i used to fly a lot on business i i would bring all my business reading and and i would catch up on a lot of the reading on the plane so i always had um, a lot of reading materials in my briefcase yeah i used to have a like an hour and a half commute and most of it was on a train so i was able to read a lot you know in that period wow. of time. So it was good and bad, bad that you spent three hours of your life commuting, but good and that you, you really got a chance to, you were forced if you wanted to, to put reading into your schedule. Well, and what I sub, you know, I used to also listen to books on tape and I used to yeah. do other things. Now it's podcasts, you know, yeah. like, like this one, um, keeping up on what's the latest in the market. And um, the nice thing about podcasts is often I can have them running, on one screen while I'm doing other work, kind of half listening. And I'm, and if I hear something interesting, especially if it's recorded, I just back up and say, do it again, or I can play it at one and a quarter speed or something. So it's a little bit faster. You sound like Alvin and the chipmunks, yeah. but, you know, your brain can process it faster than the, than normal cadence. And so I can get through an hour webinar in 40 minutes or something, you know, yeah, that uh, that's absolutely <laughs> yeah, kind of for fun. Have you ever put it down to slow speed? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? Uh, we did that for a, just to see what would happen. And it sounds like you've been drinking a little bit or smoking a little bit when you hear these people just kind of talking about what's going on. But then you yeah, crank I it up to your point. I don't want to get into politics, but there was some discussion of that, of some politicians speaking, and then they slowed it down and made it look like they were drunk. Or, uh, <laughs> or, um, so I guess that that's it. Yeah. Oh, it must be, man. Well, I, I have a hypothetical question for you because I may or may not have a time machine up here in New Hampshire. <laughs> and let's say you come visit, we'll get some beers and hang out and you get to use a time machine, but it's a particular time machine. Then it goes back in time to after you graduated from school, from university, and you get to meet that version of you, um, you know, kind of young you, maybe, maybe after you got back from South Africa, maybe that, that you, before you got into the restaurant business, um, you get to go meet that Mac and you get to talk to yourself. What kind of things would you tell yourself? Would you give yourself advice, recommendations? What would you tell yourself? I've actually thought about that. I, I would, um, I'd say buckle up and enjoy the ride, but plan for the long haul. Um, I think if I've made mistakes in my life, it's that uh, I didn't realize we're going to live to be 100 like we are now. And I would have taken better care of myself 
physically and health wise if I had known that. Um, so now I'm trying to catch up at, at, at my age now, but uh, you know, some of that I could have prevented the aches and pains and things by being a little smarter, a little less reckless stuff like <laughs> off jumps and uh, off rocks and uh, that kind of thing. Now you used to rock climb, I think, right? Oh yeah. Climb some mountains, you know, still skydiving sometimes. Yeah. Oh, that'd be, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I haven't done that. I haven't done I went- that indoor surfing recently with the team and i he definitely a couple times and then i i fell once in the water and i just a whole couple days after that you know i'm sore my neck and my shoulders <laughs> yeah we don't bounce back as quick as when not we as quickly <laughs> 25 um but um indoor surfing where is that, is that- up in new hampshire man new hampshire is the center of the universe yeah, come on up we'll go surfing Anytime. I spent a lot of time up in Franconia and Cannon Mountain. Yeah, uh, my uh, my father-in-law has a, a weekend home up there, and so we get to use that. And that's uh, awesome. My brother-in-law ski patrols at the uh, at the mountain, so we often get free passes, which is kind of nice. No, what a cannon. Yeah, oh, that's the only cool. problem with cannons is cold and steep and icy. But uh, but hey, the price is right. And you, so you ski? I do. I do. That's, you know, I've just started, um, I'm like a candidate patroller for oh, ski patrol over at Crotchet Mountain, which is oh, a little wow. bit closer. Yeah. Not as steep, not as icy, not There's as cold. Two hobbies that I have that I love, um, skiing and uh, scuba diving, because both of them, you know, you're not listening to the phone. You're not thinking about yeah. work. You're, you know, you're concentrating on what you're doing or enjoying the sights and uh, really cool. And you have to kind of concentrate on what you're doing. Well, I don't know about scuba. Maybe you can kind of zone out for a little bit, enjoy yourself. But I know skiing, you gotta have to keep your little bit of your what you can't sort of have your brain drifting off to you know that meeting you have coming up, you know, because you gotta keep track of where you're skiing and don't run into those people over there and the snowboarders sitting down on the side of the slope. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, and with yeah, scuba, with scuba, you can sit back and enjoy can you? you're conscious of, you know, you've only got so much time because you've only got so much air. And how deep are you? And are you going to have to decompress on the way up to avoid getting the bends and all that kind of stuff? So, yeah, yeah, you can't completely forget about it. But uh, got some thought process there. Yeah, you don't want to run out of oxygen. Got to make sure you. Well, you can look at the pretty yeah. fish and you know sit back and say, "Wow, this is really cool." But you, and, are you? But you're not afraid that something's going to try to eat you. <laughs> Actually, I, I I used to get more nervous when I was at the surface because you can't really see what's around you. Yeah. When you're scuba diving, you can see everything. And uh, yeah, in the beginning, I looked over my shoulder a bit, but uh, generally never found um, anything behind me that scared me. One time I was uh, weaving through the eel grass in Malibu, California to go lobster diving. And as I pulled the grass apart, there was a shark looking straight at me. Now it was only a, a little shark, but it, I bit right through my mouthpiece, scared the hell out of me. <laughs> and no kidding. Him too. He took off. It was, a le- I think they call it a leopard shark. Uh, not really dangerous, but, uh, but yeah, you don't want to run into a shark when you're not expecting it. It's funny. See, that's why I prefer the skydiving because there's no pterodactyls in the sky. You see, it's you're the top of the food chain up there. <laughs> yeah, that's true, but uh, I had a neighbor who used to skydive, and I asked him what happens if your chute doesn't open. He said you cross your legs and put your arms out, 
And I said, why do you do that? So they can unscrew you after you hit the ground. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, you know, the, the correct answer is there's a second parachute that uh, takes care of you there. But man, this is cool. Hey, well, where can people connect with you if they want to reach out either just professionally, you know, the kind of LinkedIn stuff, or also if they're interested in getting some consulting and some help with their, 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 you know, lead process, qualifications, the buyer journey, all that. Well, thanks for asking. I've got uh, two websites. Uh, my company, uh, Mac Macintosh Inc., the consulting company, has a website called Sales Lead Experts with hyphens between the words sales-lead-experts.com. And uh, then my agency is called Acquire B2B, A-C-Q-U-I-R-E, B, the number two, B.com. And um, there it also lists all my uh, my uh, social media handles. And uh, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on, you know, Twitter. Um, uh, so you can find me pretty much anywhere, Mac Macintosh. But Macintosh is spelled M-C-I-N-T-O-S-H, no A. Even though my first nickname, Mac, M-A-C, has an A, confuses people. I'm sure. Uh, but now we can remember it. So there we go. Yeah, and Good also... You know, I knew what our topic was going to be today because we we you asked me to think about that. About it, yeah. So, um, I did give you some things that you can offer to your listeners. Oh um, yeah, tell us about it. What do you, what do you got? Well, there's a a sales league qualification spreadsheet where you can go through and kind of score how you would score a lead as being sales ready or still needing more marketing nurturing or or not worth pursuing or whatever. Um, there's um, um, trying to think of what all I gave you. Uh, there's a, I think a sales lead calculator to help you figure out, you know, maybe what your budget should be. Um, and, um, uh, some, something else, but it'll be in the show notes, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll put all those links in the show notes and then, um, people can click right through and get that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, man. This has been a good conversation. It, it too long in the, in the making, but I'm glad we had a chance to to do this now. Well, thank you, Casey. And when I get my uh, podcast up and running, which is one of those projects that's been on the burner for a while, but we're almost sure. ready, I'll have, you, have to have you as a guest and learn all about podcasting. Heck yeah, I'll be there. Thanks. I'll be there. And we'll go skiing afterward. Oh, fun. that'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come up to your place and do it then. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll try to uh, have some fun, some fun on the mountain. Um, well, man, thanks so is, much for having me. I yeah, really no, thank you, man. It. And for those listening, if you learned something, and I know you did, because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front wow. and back. Uh, I actually ran out of space. I was drawn in the margins. Uh, I've been learning a ton today. So if you learned, share this with someone else. That's how you're a thought leader to one person, two people, 304 people. Just get this information out and definitely check out Max resources that are in the show notes. Click right on through to those and get those. And Mac, thanks again, man. This has been great. Let's stay in touch. Casey, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Whew, what a cool episode, guys. What a cool conversation. This has been another amazing time on the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time.